They were definitely inspired by uh, Lenny Kravitz's house in Brazil. He has a really incredible palm of wallpaper. Of course, I tried to make my own version out of it and make them three-dimensional and really, really large spaces. So it's been fun. Like the last one that I did was 15-foot ceilings, I think. So they're really bold. Welcome to Talk Design, the show where creatives have conversations. I'm Adrian Ramsey and I'm your host. Having lived a life of design myself, I wanted to share with you the creatives that inspire me and in turn may inspire you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy. My guest today on Talk Design is Liz Camerall. Liz is a muralist and she is based in New Orleans. Um, She does the most fabulous work. She has a beautiful, beautiful touch with colour, but then also as a muralist, she's got this incredibly creative mind of how she views a space and then how she puts the colors into that space and how she plays with it. Liz, I love your work. Thank you so much for making time to come on Talk Design. Really appreciate it. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited. (laughs) We actually tried to do this, or we did do it. We we recorded a podcast in September last year. And um, anyway, by the time I was ready to edit it, which was about a month or two later, I said to, I went to edit it and it was not even a third complete. It's <laughs> somewhere in our recording it had died. And uh, I said to Liz, can I, can I record again, please? <laughs> She's like, sure, but give me a couple of months because I'm really busy. So Liz, tell me what you've been busy doing. And first of all, maybe just tell us a little bit about you, but then yeah, tell us what you've been up to. Yeah, um, I don't even know where to begin, honestly. I just... Uh... I've been painting, working on a lot of murals, virtual murals and real life murals and collaborating with some really amazing companies. And so what, if we go rewind back, you're a native of which state? I'm from Idaho originally. And which part? In North Idaho, Sandpoint, a tiny little cute touristy town in North Idaho. So when you say North Idaho, is that up um, towards where you go to the sound through the Sawtooth Mountains, or is it on the? Uh, where is it in com- comparison to Coeur d'Alene? Uh, it's like forty minutes um, east of Coeur d'Alene. Oh, okay, and, cool. Yeah, east and um, like thirty minutes from Canada, so like way at the tippity top. Yeah! Mm-hmm. Wow! Wow! I've um, years ago I went to uh, my my daughter who is now, she must have been about 18 months old and she's 18 years old now. My wife and I, we grabbed a camper van and we were going to see some friends of ours from England who were staying up in Montana. And we mm-hmm. drove up through Idaho, which is America's best kept secret. And my it friends is. now from Idaho say, never talk about it. Um, and here we are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've ruined that already. And drove up, uh, you know, through Coeur d'Alene and just got totally stunned continually by the beauty and by the, the the spaces there it's um if if I had to have a favorite state for just getting away from it all that mm-hmm. uh western side western northern end of Idaho would be yeah it's something special really special yeah. and I agree um one of the things that happened to me when we were doing that was I, I had my daughter in a little backpack so like a high-rise backpack that she'd sit and kind of look over my head and play mm-hmm. with my hair. And um, we were in a big meadow. Uh, we were, we'd gone walking. We'd gone sort of semi-hiking, not really hiking, semi-hiking. And I had her in this backpack. And um, 
anyway, we stopped and we made this daisy, we made daisy chains with her and we made a daisy chain um, crown that she was, or, or headpiece that she was wearing. And when uh, we took some photos of it and she, she, there's a photo of her and me walking and she's in the backpack and she's got it on and Becky, my wife, shot this photo of it. Anyway, we, about maybe about six months later or maybe a bit more, there was um, some bombings in London in the underground. And there was a big movement that happened across the world where people came out in support of their bravery. And I can't remember what the slogan was, but it was like, um, it was something like, you know, uh, we won't be stopped or we won't, we we don't care or something like that. It was some special slogan. And anyway, think back in social media days back then, like pretty early. And Mm -hmm. I posted this photo into the campaign, um, actually on the computer. I must have been on Facebook. I posted this photo into the campaign. So there's millions of photos coming from all around the world. And anyway, a few nights later, we're watching TV in Australia. And that photo came up on the screen. Of Paris, my daughter and I, saying, and it was one of like maybe ten that they showed in the news feed of talking about all the people from around the world that were posting support. Oh wow! And it always triggers my memory of we've got the photo at home here, but it always triggers my memory of all that time in Idaho that we spent hanging around up there. Yeah, it's a very very beautiful environment. And um, going from there, you've got a you've got a caravan, and it's in Idaho currently, isn't it? It is. Yeah, we have a 1982 Winnebago and it's parked on my parents' property at the moment. Safe and sound. Safe mm-hmm. and sound. And if you go <laughs> on your Instagram feed, they'll get to see some of the um, Winnebago, won't they? Yeah, um, on my website, I actually shared the whole transformation of it, like from beginning to end um, in a couple of blog posts, shared all the pictures and everything that we had to do to fix it up. Yeah. Oh, cool. It's um, for people who are listening, that's worth going and finding. We'll post all Liz's socials and contact details, et cetera. Um, but that's so worth going and having a look at. I remember, I think that's how I first found you on Instagram was I saw a photo of that and went, that it, it touched my, um, you know, my romantic heart that goes, that, that lifestyle of being on the road and but in something that you've made into a bunch of your work, really. Yeah, it was the best time ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's so cool that's so <laughs> cool um and your very understanding husband um has allowed you to do a very similar thing with the house but you just don't drag it around behind you um, yeah basically it's <laughs> wrangled into doing everything that I want to do all of my wild ideas <laughs> so tell me about that and and how um he is so understanding as well like tell me about how many times you've painted things in your house and it's like your well, laboratory workshop yeah when it comes to painting he's refused he's just flat out refused to help anymore he said I'm never going to paint another wall because I tend to change them a lot so in our first house he was there helping me but now he's he said I quit if you want to paint it you're painting it yourself Um, and I've painted a lot (laughs) I think um one of the things that uh, strikes me when I look at like you do paint it a lot when I look at your work there is your use of color and and form. So tell me about the whole color story. Like, tell me, how do you know what colors to use? What inspires you to use certain colors? That'd be a good start. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a really interesting question with not 
an interesting answer necessarily. Um, I don't really have a rhyme or reason for the colors that I choose. Sometimes it's, you know, from a a painting that I really, really love or a, a pillow that I found that's really cool and then I try and incorporate it onto the wall. So yeah, it's, I don't it might know. just be a and really random inspo. Yeah, or just a mood that I'm in, like an obsession that develops like browns. When we moved into our new house, I just became really obsessed with the color brown and wanted to use it everywhere. And Tim was so upset because he really doesn't want brown paint all over the house, but I was just painting it everywhere. It just made me feel really good. And then I moved on from that and, you know, trying different colors. It's just kind of a, a fun experimentation that has no rhyme or reason. But it must, um, it engages people. This is one of the things that um, I find so interesting with it is you, so you, you whimsically, fulfill your obsession by going oh I'm, I'm playing with brown and for some reason brown is just part of the picture that you start to play with and then in this sort of line of um how it inspires people people discover you or discover that you're working with brown and then they see what can happen with brown and they mm-hmm. see what how you treat brown and then all of a sudden brown becomes I suppose reinvented I love some of your work with brown I think it's great it it inspires other people to probably try it but also um with murals it it inspires other people to look at their spaces and imagine them differently and I think that's a real Mm -hmm. and I love I absolutely love that you don't go oh what's happening next in the world of colors oh I will do this one um Mm -hmm. in fact you're so you're you're so authentic it's just your own obsession and your Mm -hmm. own obsession becomes the the driving force of, mm. of what comes out. So whilst, is it, is it still brown or yeah. moved? it's still brown? I like brown a lot. Um, yeah, it's not really going anywhere too fast. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> and I love some of your work where you um, use like, you know, those layers of browns and pinks and mm-hmm. I love lots of your work. I also love those really graphic black and white kind of pieces you do as well. Mm-hmm. Um, how much of that gets driven by the person it's for as opposed to um, it's a it's a 50 50 thing when it comes to painting a mule for someone else um, you know I think I when I take a look at the space I kind of give an idea of what I think would look best but give several different options that are really different from each other to kind of figure out where they really want to go with the piece and then have some back and forth so yeah cool Cool. Mm-hmm. And if somebody says to you, um, I'd be so excited to have a, I don't know, um, let me think, um, let's go to, say the palm leaves, those beautiful palm leaves that you did. I'd, mm-hmm. I'd be so excited to have palm leaves. Do, then, then do you just run off into your mind and envisage different ways of that? Or do you go, oh, I wasn't thinking palm leaves? <laughs> uh, no, I'll do what they want <laughs> if, if it's something you know, especially if it's something that I've already done, I don't like to take too much from other people's work. So usually when yeah. somebody hires, they're hiring me because they like a style of, you know, something I've already created oh. and I'll just, I'll agree with it. Yeah. Unless, unless I think it's going to be awful in the space and I'll let them know, but. <laughs> yeah. Cause it, um, uh, something that's really interesting with that is, is often people can't see beyond something they've seen before. And I always think mm. of Steve Jobs saying, um, you know, the customer's always right. Yeah. The customer doesn't know the future we're creating. Mm. So they can only be yeah. so much right. You know, right. 
they, they don't know what's coming next because we're still creating what's coming next and that will mm. be the future. And I always, with an artist like yourself, I always go um, too much direction actually, it, it can force you down a little narrowness, which then you go, okay, cool, that's what that's about. Or yeah. it can be, uh, and then you get really creative within really tight boundaries. Or it can be um, arts about an emotion and a feeling. It's not just mm-hmm. about a, so then it's like, well, this is the feeling I get from it. So this is where I think it should go. So I find that really interesting sort of, I don't know what they call that, but the tension that can create in something, you know, to be the artist, you, you need to be the artist. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. So. And I think one of the things that I love with what you do also is, is uh, it's paint. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Change it. Yeah. And it's not that expensive. Yeah, exactly. Paint's not paint's not crazy expensive. Not yeah. at all. So you were saying before about, you know, it might come from a, from a, the orange bone might come from a cushion or it might come from something you've seen somewhere or a piece of artwork or something. You're, mm-hmm. You've got a really eclectic nature of the mm-hmm. way you drag things together. Where do you go shopping to find all these pieces? Where do they, what happens? When, how do you fall in love with something that you go, I've got to fit that in my house and get it past <laughs> Tim to get it in the door? Uh, yeah, my favorite is thrifting. I'm completely addicted to going to thrift stores or searching on Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist or wherever um, and just finding like really unique things that I've never seen before. And I don't feel like I have an exact time frame that I live within, you know, I'm not all mid-century modern. I'm not whatever. I, if I just love something, I love it. And I'm going to bring it into the house. And if it's, you know, old and good quality, even better. So, yeah, I think thrifting, that's a really key point to um, your style and how your mind works. And also being the artist, you can take any, anything and put it in any space and it's being able to link any period with any period. It's just great pieces. Mm-hmm. So it's like a a tapestry of your personality, you know. This piece fits with this, and this piece fits with that. Yeah, and I feel like you won't get sick of it as quick either because it's not so honed into a particular look. It's just simply things that you've collected and you love, and that's not really a style. It's just it's your style, but it's not a defined style of time. So when you when you're working with clients, how often are they um, similar to you, or how often are they? looking to work in a defined style would be really I mean I'm not really doing any interior design projects at all anymore I'm focusing completely on murals so there's some um, so much more freedom when it comes to painting in mural it's 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 really abstract it's not necessarily cool you know confined by a time yeah I find one of the things that fascinates me with my clients is um and we don't do tons of interiors but we do um when we do do them uh, people sort of uh, where they're trying to head to is often so constructed and but they they not always this happens but often I will have people who show me a picture of like you know it would be like a picture of your home and they would say um, how do I get this how do I do this and mm-hmm. I go you need to be to do it yourself you need to be the artist for somebody to do it to you they need to be mm-hmm. the artist and you need to be prepared to live in the artwork Mm-hmm. And for all artists, it's when we do this thing, it's not a static environment. 
because there's always another find that yeah. you want to bring into the space. And so if, um, if somebody was to do it for you and even using, you know, lots of your stuff, um, then you're kind of suddenly stuck with whatever you bring in may look terrible. Whereas if, if you were working, you know, with, with the person that they, they bring something and you go, Oh, cool. Okay. Well, that's fabulous. Let's put it here, but then let's change all these other things. Let's move right. everything else around so that this moves and this moves and then this works with this. And then it, and it's not even a conscious decision. It's just a feeling in it. And it all starts flowing together. I, I remember, yes. Uh, going to a house in Austin, Texas, um, that uh, an architect called Thad Reeves had designed. And it was for an interior designer and an artist. And um, they were probably in their 70s, this couple. And in doing that, he'd designed this kind of house that was a a mix. It was a renovation, but it was part gallery. And Mm -hmm. um, she was this amazing artist. And I can't think of a name off the top of my head, but did these quite big artworks and her husband um, was the interior designer and he was like this had this eclectic kind of thing but each piece where you stood in the house you looked and it was like a it was like a photograph it was like a vignette of ideas Um, yeah it was it was phenomenal like and the architecture supported it but the architecture was um, only it was a surprise when you went through to see how each space was this kind of growing, moving, shaping thing where she would do another painting and they'd decide where they'd hang it. Um, and then everything would have to move and he'd do all his stuff to make everything move. Which I thought I had a fabulous conversation with them about the, you know, who leads the pack. Yeah. She, she never paints. She never painted for, um, she never painted something for a space that he would had created. He always mm. created the space based on what she painted. Oh, wow. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. So it was really cool. So with yours, when you go and you find a new sofa or something, what happens to the old sofa that you sat on before? Um, well, we, we just redid our living room and this happened. I found a, a vintage sofa that I fell in love with, but I had another vintage sofa that we already owned that I was obsessed with. So, you know, I just found space in the office for it. It barely fits. And Tim is totally crowded, but we're keeping them both. So we find room. We find ways to make it work. (laughs) (laughs) And then the special trip. (laughs) I think that's fantastic. Uh, When when you see something like, say, that vintage sofa and you decide to bring it home, um, how much does that influence the spin-off into other work that you do from then? because it's the colors of it and the form and the patterns in it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, this sofa re- made our living room completely change, you know, from where it was. Cause before uh, the sofa that we had was full of pattern and this one is a solid color. And so now I'm trying to bring in more patterns around it to, to play with it. I don't know. It's just a different palette. It's a whole new opportunity for change. So that's cool. It. That's really yeah. cool. With your obsession with Brown, uh, what's mm-hmm. happening with the color Brown? Is it, and I know it's not your only color. I shouldn't say your obsession <laughs> with brown. Um, but what's happening with brown? What's what's um, where's it going? And, and it certainly maybe it's all because of you. Um, it's showing up in color palettes that are being used by paint companies, um, mm. and it's certainly you know like got attraction out there. Uh, a lot of older people just remember Mission Brown and kind of run away from the color brown. Yeah, that, yeah. 
I mean, but brown is so much better now. It's like nice golden hues or like orange undertones. And it's so much more rich. It's not just like a blah brown that it used to be. It's, it's got a lot of depth. We have it in our bedroom and it's so cozy. It's called toasted bagel and I love it. (laughs) Toasted bagel. And what paint company is that? It's bear. Bear. I love Mm -hmm. that name toasted bagel. You know, it's so interesting, like, you know, that name Toasted Bagel, how much emotion uh, a name can evoke when it's tied to something that's visual. Yeah, it's true. It's, it, it, it becomes more playful. And if it, because if it was just brown, you know, 2381. <laughs> right. It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd love to name paint. Maybe that should be my new career goal name be a paint namer look you know I worked in the fashion trade for many years and we used to do lots of swimwear and um you you would be struggling every year for all the different um you know names of something you can only have one Liz swimsuit in your range (laughs) um and so you're kind of going through muses in your mind that that maybe inspired the thing um and <laughs> and you know you're going through and you keep giving them women's names because they're women's swimwear and right. like, how many damn names do we need you know um, <laughs> but we would have never called a swimsuit toasted bagel but in paint <laughs> you can play with so many things it could be anything yeah yeah um, mm-hmm. with that, with the fact that there's all these kind of hues that are, that are showing up with the color Brown, like, you know, like you said, there's like these golden undertones and, um, orange undertones and stuff like that with Brown, what, what can, what can it span from? Can it span from, I'm trying to work out what, what it kind of spans. There's these different hues that it comes in, like you were saying. So it might be from golden Browns or from, um, you know, to, to orange browns and stuff with brown as a, as a kind of color, what kind of spectrum does it hew through? Like, where does it start and where does it end? Does, does that make sense? Can you, um, you know, like we, we start maybe with um, yellow browns and we can go to red browns, but where else can we go with that? Like what, what else does it do? What I'm trying to think out loud with, <laughs> with what happens with brown. I'm not um, sure how to answer. I was thinking about like, so, you know, with, with grey, for instance, um, mm-hmm. we, we can take grey through a whole spectrum of colours. So we can go mm-hmm. blue greys. We can go, well, I say that, we can go warm and cold. Mm-hmm. But we can make a green base in it. We can make a brown base in it. We can make a, you know, like a yellow base in it. We can choose all these different underlying hues that happen in a right. colour. And those change the mood of the of the color so dramatically and uh, mm. with your, with all the different Browns you use, I was thinking, so what are those? I get the yellow pieces cause that makes sense to me. And I get that we can get really red in mm-hmm. a Brown as well. Um, but I can't, Brown's made of green and red, isn't it? So yeah. with it in, in the color spectrum, it's green and red, but I don't, I can't imagine a green Brown. And maybe yeah, that's I just my imagination not working. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's funny that you said that because I painted the ceiling in our living room brown, but it looks green to me. And I keep referring to it as green, but it is a very brown color, but it appears more green. So maybe it can. I don't know. Yeah, right. Because that's mm-hmm. the thing, you know, like um, a brown doesn't also um, sort of like come to mind as a color that absorbs other color easily. So, you know, mm-hmm. like if we paint something 
you know, a white, we can put green next to it and it will green up or we can put, you know, and different different sort of underlying hues that will make something pop out more. And But, yeah, my I don't have the obsession with brown that has made me ever explore it. <laughs> Maybe I haven't gone deep enough. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> There's many pots of paint left. Tim will yeah. hear that comment and go, oh, my God, no, not no. more. <laughs> no more experimenting with brown. Uh, how often do you wear brown clothing? Never. Well, no, that's not true. Uh, occasionally. I, I just wear a lot of black and white, though, honestly. Even though I love color, I don't wear a lot of color. Or gray. I wear a lot of gray. Yeah, right. Yeah. So why do you think that is? <laughs> why why um, the colors around you, not on you as such? I can get that. Yeah. I can get that. That makes sense. And also it keeps um, it keeps it easy in a wardrobe, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so tell me about some of the murals you've just done lately and what sort of things you've been painting. And I know like this is kind of a very tricky question, I know, because of the fact that so much of your work is so abstract that, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you could say, well, I've been painting dots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So tell me about some of them. You know, I don't know. I guess I, I feel like sometimes I'm still trying to develop what it is that I do. What am I known for? And I, lately, I suppose it's been just a lot of abstract shapes and lines. And I've just been playing around with different ways to arrange circles and squares and trying to make it interesting somehow. <laughs> I, I was going to refer to some of the ones where you've um, also where like I, that is your work. First of all, that is your work, is, is how you put these shapes and how you balance them and how you use different colours in them. Um, a great example to me is, is the bath you painted. Um, mm. Yeah, that's like um, so much fun, so much fun. And um, I know I've shown it to a few people just going, how cool is this? And they're like, oh, wow, like um, I love that, you know, send me that. Like that's sort of one of those things. And I think because it's captured on something as well, as opposed to it's just a wall or it's, um, it, it, I shouldn't say just a wall, but as opposed to just being on a big wall. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me about some of the big abstract palms you've been painting. Mm. I mean, those have been really fun. They were definitely inspired by uh, Lenny Kravitz's house in Brazil. He has a really incredible palm a wallpaper uh of course, I tried to make my own version out of it and make them three-dimensional. And yeah, I've just been playing around with that a lot. Really, really large spaces. So it's been fun. Like the last one that I did was 15-foot ceilings, I think. So oh, wow. they're really bold. When, yeah. And you said like making them three-dimensional. Um, tell me about that. Oh, just uh, playing around with it. the palms are black, but then where they overlap, I use a gray. So initially you might not realize that there's different colors in the mural but they it's subtle but it's enough to make it feel like there's some dimension to it even though it's a very flat painting that's cool um and Lenny Kravitz was the uh was the inspo so did you have Lenny's music playing while you were doing it as well (laughs) no (laughs) no you don't have you don't have sort of do you have those kind of things is probably the better question do you have um things where music inspires the mood no not at all actually um sometimes i just like silence honestly i don't actually go to music that often i don't turn it on when i'm painting or i don't need it to do that yeah, it's, yeah. It's a, again it's an interesting um thing i, I find if I have music on when I'm trying to be 
achievement or not trying to be, hopefully being very creative. <laughs> um, in the process, when I'm drawing and stuff, I find that um, it takes me away from my process rather than mm. putting me deeper in it. And I work yeah. with a fabulous lady, Kelly, and Kelly would have it on all the time. <laughs> for her, it, yeah. for her, it rides along with her. Whereas for me, yeah. for me, it pulls me sideways, and um, I, yeah. I lose where I'm going rather than stay where I'm going. So yeah, it's distracting. Yeah, and I, I'm, I, I love music, but I love music to listen to music. Me too. Yep. It's a, a different thing. Any other big inspirational kind of people that you've um, gone, oh, this was something that was really cool that you, I want to say, um, just were inspired by that uh, took you on a journey towards something that you kind of discovered a rabbit hole. Is there any, anybody mm. that comes to mind? Yeah, I mean, I love I love Kelly Worsler. Uh-huh. Who doesn't? About, she's uh, a huge inspiration and I like, how everything she does is really quirky and it doesn't always make sense. And I feel like that's definitely something that I strive for as well. A very non-traditional and unexpected designs. Yeah. I, I think that one of the things that Kelly does, which is so magical is she creates spaces that uh, have that eclectic artist's nature. Mm-hmm. And with that eclectic artist's nature, they carefully curated like she'll do a hotel or something where you're not going to necessarily get to add a whole lot more to it over time Mm -hmm. um but it has that lived in feeling that there's something in the space for everybody and yet it is it is very defined in what it is that's Mm -hmm. I think that's part of her incredible genius of um the way she plays with patterns and design and stuff like that you'll have to do some have to do some mural work for her. Oh, wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> It'd be a lot of fun. It'd be a lot of fun to do. I recently did um, her masterclass and mm. um, in doing her masterclass, it sent me shopping for a lot more uh, stones, like, you know, um, mm. gemstone things, you know, like amethysts and stuff like that uh, yeah. as, as an inspiration point. You know, like it, and there's one that I bought, which is um that it actually uh it and I find it really inspiring because of the way the texture of the stone looks. But it's called moonstone, and it's um I think think it was moonstone, mm-hmm. and it's like yellows and browns and these layers of these quite incredible sort of colors, and it's it's not what you kind of expect. It almost looks like it might have been made from plasticine or something. But it's not mm. like, and um, again, it's got these colours in it, and I go, oh yeah, it it's the one that always draws my eye out of a big bunch that I've now got. I love that, and that was um, that was a Kelly thing. She she talks about using stones like that as inspo, and um, and looking for the patterns in nature and stuff with that. And I went, yeah. it's so fun. So I have a, a a a big kind of top of a desk that's up high. And it's just covered in pieces now. Um, oh, I love that. Yeah. It's that thing with, um, again, like uh, playing with colour. It's uh, it, it brings in some sort of emotional kind of part. And I love the fact that my kids will also come and they'll pick up the stones and they examine them. They go into them, you know. They, I think that that's really exciting as well. So, so with Kelly's... Um, eclectic style I suppose that's probably part of yourself that's it actually your birds of a feather when it comes to that playing with 
um, the eclecticness of the nature of things. Yeah, absolutely. Tell me about paint. And does paint make a big difference, the type of paint? Yeah, the quality of paint. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I first started painting, I thought I'm just going to get the cheapest one that I can get and get the most that I can out of it. But absolutely have discovered over time that it's worth investing in good quality paint that's thick that you only have to paint one coat of that goes on nicely. Um, Yeah, lessons learned. So with paint, um, what about with brushes? And with brushes, for sure. A good brush is absolutely worth it. And because I don't like to use tape for a lot of my, or for anything, um, and so I'm really needing to get a nice clean line when I cut in, um, having a good brush is really important too. Yeah. So if you were telling people, um, what they would do with a brush, what sort of brush would you buy? Like if they were going to paint, they give them a mural of their own to go. What mm-hmm. would, what would you suggest they buy when it comes to brushes? Do you use multiple brushes depending on? No. No. I use the same, same brush, two and a half inch angled brush. And I have about a dozen of them. Um, but I would just, I usually recommend that when you go to the hardware store, uh, you know, you see there's like a good, better and best quality for everything, oh. whether it's rollers or paintbrushes, just get the absolute best quality one and it will be better. It's a, it's always a better brush. My dad's an artist, mm-hmm. um, and a watercolor artist. And I remember as a kid, you know, like he would always be, um, about watercolor. He, he paints oils as well, but he would always be, no, you need a sable brush. And this mm. this brush will do these techniques and this brush will do these techniques. Um, but having not, um, I've painted lots, but that's cutting out the corners and painting the walls. It's not like, it's not like the murals or anything like that. I, two things that come to mind is, is one is, is not masking. Um, you're actually just painting. How do you get your image on the wall to start with? Do you... Um, I stand there with a pencil. Yeah, just draw it. Yeah, yeah. I have um, my favorite tools are a level because you can just get your perfectly straight lines and just continue along the wall. And then I use um, a chalk line as well if it's a oh, really like long a string stretch. line. Yeah, like a string line. You ping it, mm-hmm. and yeah. then you just very very steady. Yeah, it's my favorite part. I love cutting in the lines. It's relaxing and satisfying. And um, what about when you're 15 feet in the air? On the, do you use a ladder or a scaffold? Yeah, I use a ladder, which can be a little nerve wracking sometimes. But I'm used to it now, I guess. <laughs> I think that it's um, when you're working at scale like that. Um, being able to get the perspective of where you're at as well. So do you ever mm-hmm. do you ever um, do something and and slip and go, oh, bugger. Okay, well, I'll just shift the whole design to work with that. That would be me. That would be me. <laughs> that has not happened yet, knock on wood. <laughs> <laughs> I'll knock as well for you. <laughs> uh, that would be me. I'd be like, ah, oh, you've got to be kidding. Hold on a second. I'd stand back and go, I'm not rubbing it out, so (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to work with what I've got. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, too funny. With this, uh, your muralists, being being a muralist, and you were an interior designer, or are an interior designer, but muralist, being a muralist is what you've chosen. What made the shift? What made the shift from interiors to murals? I think, honestly, I, I think every couple of years of my life, I shift into a different career or a different, um, a different passion. 
it just seems to be, I can't, I'm never really quite satisfied in any area. So I, it just was inevitable. I move every three years and I change my career. So this is what happens. This is what, and, and how far are you into this one? Are you three years in? Be, we've lived in New Orleans for three years. I'm honestly surprised that we haven't moved yet, but I don't think we're going to. Murals I've been doing, I mean, forever, but for clients, probably just the past year and a half or so. Yeah. Uh-huh. And if somebody, somebody wants to get you to paint a mural, um, mm-hmm. do they just fly you to wherever they are or what happens, especially in COVID times? Um, yeah, I just, uh, they fly me there or if I happen to be in the area, then I'll just put a call out and say, hey, I'm in New Jersey or San Diego, wherever I am, and um, put a call out for murals while I'm there. Oh, that's cool. That's like being a traveling photographer. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah, just put a call out and just say, hey, I'm going to be in this zone and if somebody wants to have something done, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Surfboard shapers do that as well. Like they, they're kind of in a community around the world where they go, oh, yeah, so-and-so's here in this town, and then they'll go and do it as well. They'll go and work in their workshop for a few days. Yeah. Create yeah, some I like It lets me live my nomad lifestyle a little bit still. And what about if you can't be there? What happens with that? Like, and and somebody still wants a mural? Yeah, I do virtual murals as well. So then, um, you know, someone will send me photos of their space and dimensions, and then I'll draw up ideas and do it to scale. So if they need to project it on the wall, they can. And so with that, do you um, do you kind of coach them or do you just post it off to them and say, this is what, what you'd need or. Yeah. With, with a list of tips and tricks and then obviously an invitation to reach out if they need help along the way. I was about to say, you know, if you sent me one, I'd be the one where you'd go, what the hell did you do to my mural? You must've slipped. (laughs) 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 You've added all this piece. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I did have a little accident there and then uh, I've fixed it up a little. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that would be too funny um so if somebody wants something they can contact you and mm-hmm. they can uh have a discussion with you about what it is that you're going to create and then you can doesn't matter whether you're in england or australia or wherever it is in the world you can yep. actually get the mural you've just got to give some measurements and do yep. they send you photographs of the space? Yes, absolutely. Because then I'll mock it up on the wall as well so they can see what it will look like when it's painted. Oh, wow. And mm-hmm. do you care about what else is in the room? So like Absol- if somebody, oh yeah, cool. Go tell me yeah. about that. Well, I mean, I have to know what the rest of the space looks like and, you know, what the rug looks like or the colors or all those yeah. details to determine, yeah. Where the windows are and how the light will come in and mm. all those kind of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you were saying that you painted your um, ceiling brown. Mm-hmm. Has it got a pattern? Nope. It's just brown. Just brown. Yeah, it's too much. Too, it hurts. <laughs> it's hard enough just to paint a solid color, let alone to go in with all the details and brushwork. I'm not ready for that. I, yeah, I um, I love sometimes in a in a room, you know, like we will we will choose to paint just the ceiling a color and mm-hmm. not a, not the walls. The walls will be white, say or mm-hmm. some, some very neutral tone, but then we will just paint the ceiling out and that's mm-hmm. like painting one wall a colour, but it just changes the whole hue of the room. It's, yeah, I love it. And it's unexpected as well, which is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Is there a favourite style of architecture that you um, love? No, not in particular. Honestly, I, I enjoy 
all sorts of interiors, really. I can't, I couldn't say that I have a favorite as long as there's a lot of light and natural light. I, I love it. Yeah. Right. I was wondering like, you know, where you have um, an architecture where you might end up with walls that go up into skylight kind of pieces and then they fade light down a wall a certain way because of the way the the, the skylighting is um, shaped or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And then also we do a thing where we quite often will use those kind of ideas, but then we'll use some screening as well. That will mean that at different times of the day, it will put a pattern somewhere in the room. Mm. And so in that sort of thing, I was thinking of the collaborations between creating those kind of spaces. So I can go at three o'clock in the summer, this is what this will look like. So for three months of the year, we will get this. What would that, how would that alter what you would choose to do? I imagine that's a really collaborative approach where you go, well, mm. that was this, then this would be this. Yeah. I ha- I have to confess I have an obsession with green at the moment um, uh-huh. and a lot of jungle tones of green. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, if any of my clients hear this, they're going to go, so that's why he said that. Well, he could imagine this wall in green. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think I've because of COVID, um, one of the things that's been really kind of prevalent is this um, shifting space to wellness and happiness because so many people have been locked in as well. And colour has such an emotional play mm-hmm. on people's, you know, like on people's well-being. And I look at this and I also um, biophilic design where you're, you know, bringing um, plant shapes and plant things either mimicking or you're, actually bringing them into the space lots of plants and stuff into the space and this has a massive um, impact on people's health Uh, hospitals use it you know all these things and I maybe that's where my obsession with green has come from has been Mm. that it's really it's quick to drag the outdoors and the indoors together that might be my um, my simple you know how do I simply do it but yeah there's some so amazing deep greens and jungly kind of greens with yellow hues in them. And yellow is a really joyful color, um, but a hard one to use. So I kind of go, yeah, what, what can I do with those kind of tones? And when we might just be designing the the structure of the house, but I'm thinking in color as I'm designing it. So my little obsession Mm -hmm. with green, (laughs) not, not that I've told my wife that, and I haven't painted anything at home yet that's green. Yet. Yet. Yeah, it's a big yet, that. Your next project, do you know what it is, your next mural? If I have a couple of virtual ones that are in the books, and then I, I put a bid in for one waiting to hear back, so kind of just kind of waiting at the moment. And do you know what you'll do if you, if you get that job? Do you know what no. it would be? No. No, not at all. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. That's really cool. So then, yeah, then the inspiration will come from the collaboration with the space and the client and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, favorite paint companies. Who's mm. your, who are your favorites? Do you want to um, share? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just, my go-to is Bear and slightly because of convenience, because I live really close to a Home Depot and they sell Bear paint and it's, good quality. So I just tend to use that. There's a lot of different options and it's not overly expensive. So I like them. 
that's yeah. a, that's a good one to for people to use. And mm-hmm. would you? Um, I'm, you're using it for murals, but you just use that to paint your house, regardless. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I have a I have a go to in Australia, um, which is I really love the colours of Porter's paints, um, mm-hmm. and they have just just yeah, like they're a boutique type paint. Um, and a handmade paint, and I love their colour tones that they play with. They just yeah. seem to be slightly different, and I use a lot of, um, when I when I have to spec things, I use a lot of resine colour as well because I'm a Kiwi, and I grew up with resine paint, and it, again, often has just slightly different hues. But I, in saying that, I'm not, um, when I'm looking for colour for a space, I, I actually just recommend... I look at all the paint charts and go, yeah. doesn't matter whose it is. I'm always, I've got a big, I've got what I call my color box, which is a big plastic box full mm-hmm. of colors. It, and then I go, oh, that's got a feel that feels right for a space. Yeah. No matter who it is. Bye. Yeah. doesn't matter who mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. But I have my favorites when, um, if I had to execute the work, there's certainly ones mm-hmm. I would buy over ones I wouldn't buy because yeah. of the flow of paint. Yeah. Paint, paint is, as you say, so different. And the better the painter, I often know, I notice that the the better, you know, if it's a painting team, the better the painter, often the cheaper the paint. Mm. Oh, interesting. Because yeah, because they know how to apply it. Yeah, they've, they, exactly. So, yeah, I think yeah. that's really a, a fascinating kind of thing. I go, really? They just use that. I used to have a, a restaurant and the chef, one of the chefs, he would buy the cheapest ingredients. Um, and I was like, really? Like, well, you know, why wouldn't you buy like what I would go and buy versus him? And he goes, well, if you understand the science of what's in it, that's what creates the flavor. Hmm. And, Interesting. And, and this is what blends things. This is how the molecules blend. And he was like a science and made incredible food, but he'd buy the cheapest butter on the shelf to make it, huh. which well. would suggest it has, I don't know what the big difference would be. I still buy the other butter, but. Um, yeah, he'd just go, he'd go, it's actually about how much of it you use and then what temperature you put it at and what you blend with it and when you do it, that will make the flavour. It's um, mm. it's like knowing when to put olive oil in a pan or when to put um, whatever it is in the pan, you know, like um, it's about knowing the method. And that's why I wonder whether with painters, if they, because they just, they do their apprenticeship, they're trained or they, they get a sense of it and then they can work with anything. The good yeah, ones. True. Although there's some paint that is truly awful, like just so watered down oh. that you, there's no way to get around it. It's awful. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I had a, I was at a um, place yesterday and uh, it's a, I've got this wonderful client and she flips homes and um, she's flipping a sort of a one and a half million dollar apartment and she'll spend a few months doing it, but she gets me to come in and just really give her inspiration mm. just and talk. I, I'm a sounding board for her. Um, she's okay. really going to do what she's going to do, but I do this. I sort of, she'll send me some neat wallpapers and stuff like that. She'll go with this. What do you think of this? What does it inspire you with? And I'll go oh, this or that or whatever. And um, one of the things she said yesterday, she said, I'm going to paint the foyer because it's a penthouse apartment. I'm going to paint the foyer. I'm not allowed to. She said, but I'm going to do it. And it will only be when they come and do a maintenance check that they may realize. Yeah. Said, but I'll ask for forgiveness, you know. I'll do it and I'll ask for forgiveness. 
<laughs> and I'm like, okay. And uh, we've got this color called Gully Green that is going in the theater of their, in this apartment, it's got a theater. And when you open the front door, there's another door which will, will often be open and it will look onto a gully green wall and a kind of a, a, a black um, cabinet. But that's the whole wall, this timber work across the whole other wall. And I said, well, why wouldn't we paint these two walls in the in the foyer? Because it's not big. That same gully green, even though it gets nowhere near the light, why wouldn't we paint those in there? And she's a photographer as well. And the 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 walls put a it's like a Z shape. And because it's a Z shape, we'll get gully green on one wall and then we'll get we'll do the whole lot, but you will see one when you get out of the lift. So you won't see the other one. But so you'll get a hint of this gully green. And then as you go through the front door, you will pick up more gully green, but it will look mm-hmm. completely different because it yeah. gets so much more light. It's incredible how much it changes depending on the daylight. You just don't yeah. even realize it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that will be, it'll be fun. Liz, I love our chat about um, paint and color and inspiration and inspiring people. I find um, Kelly Whistler also incredibly inspiring. Um, mm. I really appreciate your time. It's been fantastic. And I encourage everybody to who listens to this to go and have a look on your Instagram and go on your website and explore some of the journey that you're giving and sharing with people. Um, and if you have an amazing space or in a not so amazing space that you want <laughs> to make amazing, um, have a talk to Liz about getting a, a, a mural for that space because uh, her work's inspiring and her use of colour is certainly um, inspiring. It's beautiful. And it's not all brown. You don't have to, everybody no, doesn't no. get brown. Yeah. <laughs> not very many people get brown. That's just for me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's my own cookies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't share, share those with everybody. So Liz, <laughs> thank you so much. Hun. Thank you. This was really nice. Appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Hi, my name is Richard Petrie, and if you're a designer who's frustrated by not winning the type of projects with clients who really value great design, go to a new webinar training I'm going to give you where I'll teach you how to win higher value design projects, where fees is not the number one priority. Go to archmarketing.org forward slash talk design.